0: How um right now in in Singapore, how is the weather? Is it pretty warm?
1: Um, we just sort of starting to enter into the wet season again, maybe. But it's it's pretty warm. No, lately starting starting to get a bit warm. So uh, we had some tropical rain yesterday. So maybe it's it's a wet season here again as well. Not sure yeah it's, it can be it can get very hot it's like it's always summertime uh like like for european summer yeah it's the european summer it, it, the temperature is actually much hotter than the european summer but somehow this the europeans are telling me that it's hotter mm-hmm. during the european summers even though the temperature is cooler i have no idea how that how that works yeah
0: <laughs> and have um have you always lived in Singapore? Like you were born and raised?
1: Yeah. 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 I'm always Singapore. So born here, raised here. Yeah. Yeah. My mom is not. My mom is born in Malaysia. So during a time where I know we are still one country.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It. I don't know too much about Singapore. Is it? Is it very um, diverse? Lots of different groups of people there?
1: Yeah. So the, so, we, we, Singapore is actually in the middle of the Malay Peninsula. Uh, no, Archipelago, sorry. Uh, so, which is also the peninsula, <laughs> just south of Malaya. So, the so by right, this is supposed to be a Malay region. But what happened is that the British colonized Singapore. And then, uh, so as a result, they brought in, uh, as what the British always do, they brought in all sorts of uh, workers from all around the world. They attract people from all around the, the world to work in the in their colonies so we have a lot of indians we have a lot of uh, chinese as during the colonial period so the indians and the chinese was actually the equal number of people uh when when the british are around so the malays become uh, other indigenous people becomes the minority Uh, because so because when the british came it was just a fishing village it was just a small village so which is why uh, the malays even if they um they they grow their populations is still going to be a minority because how the British just sending immigrants in from all around the world, so eventually what happened was that when India gained its independence, um, uh, that was just after World War Two and Singapore was going through a lot of political uh changes, so a lot of Indians when a lot of Indians just went back to India, so th- because uh, during the colonial be- period the Indians. Think their home is actually in India, the Chinese think their home is in China. So that's how it works. So so the it's just like the the the, the American blacks, you know, some of them you know in the earlier days think that their home is actually in Africa. That's this kind of an idea. So the so, so the Indians went back, but the Chinese state, because China, India had the independence and now uh, they have peace and then uh, they have development and stuff. Yeah, but China was in the Civil War. So the Chinese state, and then eventually. Uh, we gained our independence. Uh, so, so since then, the population is around seventy, nearly seventy percent Chinese, and then fifteen percent Indian, fifteen percent uh, uh, Malay, and then there's a small percentage of uh Eurasians and all the other different races. I think this the percentage now might not might have changed because we got a lot of immigrants nowadays from India, Philippines, a lot of Europeans, Caucasians, Americans. So so Singapore in today's terms is like it's a bit like New York it's like you no know, there's a lot of different races of people but the the main population here if you go walk around you'll always be mostly Chinese uh, mostly Chinese but uh, you will see there's a significant number of Indians and Malays around
0: okay very cool very cool and yeah
1: so and we all speak English so <laughs> so it's it's like you go to China but uh, like this China looks very weird and then uh, everybody speaks English uh, although we speak Chinese and dialects, so which but but we can all speak English. Oh,
0: although that's, that's
1: you will find cool. that our English a bit weird. <laughs> uh, mine is considered already very mild because I already try to speak proper English. Mm-hmm. So if I start to speak English, you might not understand half the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I I wonder, do you um do you pick up on like certain like as far as like American English? Do you pick up on like the certain. Um, like specific things to like American English maybe not even as far as the language but maybe like the emojis like you know earlier I had um, emoji yeah, yeah. uh, your message with yeah. a 100 and the yeah peace sign like do you, yeah. do you pick so, up on that?
1: That is there is an internet cultural thing I don't I think so that's not really uh, because Singapore is very westernized so but the thing is our concept concept of west is very uh, generic in a way that maybe the real West do not understand because the real West actually view each other as different people. Like the Canadians are Canadians, Americans are Americans, Americans, British are British. But in Singapore, it's like the West. Then it's like, everyone is the West. No, we we don't really differentiate. So we get very confused as well. Like for example, in our, uh, when we learn uh, in school, our English is actually British English. We learn British English. So, and it's very weird because we, we, our English comes from the colonial times. So we continue to use words that is really old, like uh, during the colonial English type of English, certain words will be used, no longer is used in uh, UK now. Okay. So when the British people come to Singapore, they got shocked when they hear certain words because they only hear their grandparents use it. They no longer use it within, within their generation or like in within UK. Only the very old people are using those words, but to us it's common common words. So it's very interesting because I heard this from a YouTube channel. Uh they are British and then they they're documenting their life in Singapore. It's like, what? <laughs> like to us, it's like this is just normal words. Yeah. So it is very interesting how how we kept some of this uh, uh heritage of the language, which the British has, has already abandoned like the british today don't really don't really speak like the british in the 100 years ago like 100 years ago they are very gentlemanly you know because they are the colonial masters right so you know they, they speak with a certain tone uh like as if everyone is royalty so nowadays only the royalty still speaks like 100 years ago the the people the normal people is just like you know the soccer crowd they they just speak a very different form of english but we get very confused because we t- or we we uh, digest so much american culture so much american uh, movies and everything so even in the internet you no know, most of the internet english-speaking internet is mostly american uh or american-centric so our ours when we spell it's very confusing because the english and british spelling for words is a bit different like like you know uh for example ionized you know, the i-s-e-d that in 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 American English is E D, you no, know, but in, in British English is I Z E D. Or oh, is it the other way around? It, I, I can't tell. So I use both. Can, I can use it, both of them in a single paragraph, and then you know, get both group of people triggered. So the, <laughs> so no the, so we get very confused because we 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 cannot tell the difference between the two sometimes. Nice. <laughs>
0: Uh, Wyatt, I'm really sorry. Before we continue on, I just want to give you a proper introduction. Um, everybody out there. Hi, my name is Chris. Uh, this is the Cheatash podcast. And today, a uh, very special guest, as I just mentioned, uh, Wyatt from the, uh, I know him from the YouTube channel, Defense Politics Asia. Uh, I've been following Wyatt for a little over, uh, over a year now. Um, Wyatt, uh, please introduce yourself, though, for the audience and anything that I've missed there.
1: So, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Wyatt from Defense Politics Asia. And uh, so I I run this so-called company media thingy uh, called Defense Politics Asia for the past uh, many years, I think since 2017. <clears throat> and then uh, the, the YouTube channel uh, had, only blown up uh since the ukraine war started because before that i still not too sure what content to do and uh so so you know when ukraine war happens i'm i'm personally trying to find what is happening i'm trying to figure out what's happening so i started mapping all the information uh inspired by life ua map so i started to map all the information that i can find so that i can know what exactly happened because i do not trust the mainstream media uh, as you can tell, uh, because recently, uh, the biggest news is actually the, the leak of the, the United States uh, military documents. And now that you know that they caught someone, so you now trace back the past two weeks, all the information, all the news that you know, all these news channels has or news outlets have published. Read, go back and read them. And then you will know why I don't trust that, the media, because they don't know what they're talking about. And they usually just make things up if they don't know, and they will make things up in a way that you would think that is real, and then and then you get confused because first they say that it's not true, there's there's a Russian disinformation, then after that, the Russians say that it's a uh, a uh, US or NATO misinformation, then you you see the pro-Ukrainian people you no know, laughing at people who believe this is real, then the pro-Russians also laughing that this is people who think that this is real and i'm one of them who think that it is real because i was in the military i looking through the documents i was like this is this looks exactly like how a military document looks like so it's very hard to fake a uh, military documents because uh our imagining of mm, normal people's imagination of the military is very different we tend to think the military as very high-tech you know very sophisticated sometimes uh all the People forget that these people are just normal human beings. They are, they only use Microsoft Words, Excel, PowerPoint, and that's how the how their presentations will look like as well. So and then they was you squeeze information in ways that it looks uh, aesthetically horrible, and that's largely you know like uh, half of what it looks like in these documents. And this is exactly how it looks like. So then the kind of terminology. So I'm pretty convinced this is real. I just cannot confirm whether the data insight is accurate uh, but because i was in intel uh, so my understanding of intel is that even the intel that we get usually is just a signal it's never the, it's never the truth the facts because our intel can be wrong so so the intel that the Brit, the nato forces or the Brit, uh, U- ukrainian forces might be wrong as well so the whatever is inside is just a signal of what they know they know and then might be wrong just like the casualty numbers is ridiculous it's too low uh so maybe the the so the ukrainian maybe say something then uh, the americans believe it they just write it down yeah just to make them happy so the so so i'm convinced it's real but the the media just write all sorts of stories different media say different things uh then you see the the different government officers you know from different countries all say different things suddenly you know Somehow the South Koreans are angry. Then the Israelis are saying that no, no such thing happened. Then after that, now we have some. They arrested someone. So which is the real information? Is 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 even this arrest a real thing? We have no idea. So that's the problem with the mainstream media because the we they cannot really investigate properly and they don't investigate properly because journalism used to be about investigation and then they report the news. If they cannot corroborate the information, usually they will not publish it. Because what happens in the past is that the real estate in the printed newspaper is very precious. When you print it, it costs money. So you cannot just spam information into a newspaper. You have to give good information. If not, um, you're wasting the space that you're printing the information. So today is internet age, Everything is free. They just, They just spam the information. So so information become more like if there is misinformation and propaganda in the past in printed newspaper, it's much worse now. So I thought that okay, I need to know plot my info my own news, uh what is happening in Ukraine. Then I thought if I'm gonna plot all this information and just put it on the website, it feels like a waste. Because uh D- DPA's website is the traffic was not very high. It was so so. So I decided, um, just put it on YouTube. I just record, simply just record, go through all the information. Just just like how uh, uh, I used to go through when I was in the military, where I receive uh, briefings, daily briefings. So I sort of do something similar. So it's like, that's why I call it a SIP rep, because in in military terms, it's situation report. So I'm basically just reporting the situation on the ground. And uh, of the intel, that all that we can get it. Basically, that's what Intel does. Then somehow it picked up and then the channel just blew up. Uh, and uh, if I'm not wrong, DPA is the f- only channel that started from day one of the war. So so most channels started like a few days later or sometime later. So DPA started right from day one. So I have a report for day one. Most channels do not have day one reports. So And the most exciting part is actually the first week. The first seven days is the most, most exciting of the war because that that was when nobody know what the hell is happening. And that was when the Russians made superb gains that nobody can imagine them doing. Like they they started to do all sorts of uh, Hollywood-style kind of offensive. They, you know, they, they send in uh, helicopters right straight into the airport and then they got some of the helicopters getting shot down. Troops just walk, go roll past the border. Nobody stopped them. Then the civilians are just driving all around the... The russian military like as if nothing is like it's not important at all it doesn't matter if this the russians came in the then and then you have the uk government telling the people to know make their own molotov cocktail and throw at the russian tanks those were the crazy days and that was all in the first week so no, after the first week things the front line start to get more settled down that's when a lot of the other channels start to cover because the front lines start to you know look more uh clear but yeah so so that's interesting to me uh mm-hmm. yeah but the channel was heavily suppressed so uh not the biggest channel unfortunately <laughs> I was it's quite disappointing but uh that's 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 how it is
0: yeah I I do want to just um you know give you your in America, we say, give somebody their flowers or, you know, compliment you on, uh, the amount of detail that you put in your videos, um, compared to, and I, I listen to other, some other channels too. And some other people talk about the war in Ukraine. Um, I know, you know, of, uh, uh history legends, and I, I think he does a good job. And, um, I listen to like Scott Ritter or, um, uh, oh. Douglas McGregor as well. Uh, but, the amount of detail and uh, visual representation that you put in your videos is uh, truly outstanding and I just, I appreciate all the hard work that you put in your videos.
1: Thank you so much. This the, ultimately, it's all about the time, amount of time that you invest <clears throat> to, like for example, my mapping. Every day's mapping is at least four hours in order to map in all the information <clears throat> nowadays. In the earlier days, it was not uh, the, because the the, the, the way how I map it is different. So in the earlier days, we do not know what is happening at where. Where the Russian troops have uh, arrived at. Where are they? Nobody knows where are they. So no, the way, the technique, how I try to search for information was different. How I map it was different. So whenever there was some fighting, I would just indicate there was fighting here and I would leave the icon there for days. So I don't really remove them until after certain days, I realized that, it seems like a long time since since we heard of anything here. Then I delete away the thing, so the the mapping was a bit different. So you no, know, every day every day I was just simply looking for more information, um, uh through Twitter I I, I search through all the different location terms, uh I have like you know hundred terms I search through I scroll through everything every day, and then I, then after that, I start to get uh I start to realize oh some of the intel actually comes from actually a lot of the intel actually come from uh, Ministry defense reports from on the both sides so that's when I go to the telegram channels I started to discover telegram I I had telegram but you no know, I started to discover oh there was so much information actually in these channels then uh it started so I the 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 dependence on uh, the telegram uh, the, the Twitter feeds getting got less and lesser because over time, uh, I realized these are all they are just retweeting, copy and pasting information from the Telegram channels. So, and then I know, then slowly, eventually, I start to realize. Uh, I get, I start to know all these different channels and the way how they write, the different Ministry of Defense, the way how they write, and then uh, that they have their own habits. And then when they start to behave weird, like they start to start to start to use different terms, I was, I, I, my sixth sense will start to like kick in and say hmm, this is unusual like you know then you know that maybe they're trying to hide something or maybe they're trying to say something but they don't they cannot just say, say it uh, very clearly then th- that's when i would also tell tell my audience in the videos "No, this is a bit weird where they say this this kind of thing and uh and then the eventually because due to you know this was two sources that that was new from last year one of them become rather famous nowadays called nazi name uh intelligence they call it he called himself that so what he does is that he feed me a lot of fake information so because of him and there's one more guy who know just uh copy and paste some uh russian information uh where half of it was wrong and i told him off so he started right, like he started to become better but this this guy who gave me 100 percent fake information, or uh, he didn't change. So he just went to find someone else to sponsor him. So, but because of this incident, like both came came up at the same time. Uh I decided that okay, I get I have to stop taking uh information from people I don't know that well. I have to stick to uh sources that that I after half a year time, you know, I know that, that they are reliable. Uh that's when I start to have this primary sources, secondary sources kind of thing, more as more clearly. And then, then I change the format to I update update all the intelligence on a clean slate daily. That's when uh the four or five hours become uh become just uh, the grind where you know every day I start a new day with deleting all the pre- I'll duplicate the map and I'll delete all the Uh, old information then all the yesterday's information I'll change it all to grey colour and then I'll plot an entirely new day of intelligence so so that was a change because previously when there was fighting the fighting icon will always be there it will always stay there until I decided that I think there's no more fighting there then I'll just remove so that was more presumptive but now it's like it's only only purely based on intelligence so if no one says there's Fighting there, then I will not assume that's fighting there. But it was this is purely because the front line has all stagnant. Everything has stopped moving, and uh, the front line is predictable. The, oh. the the different sources are all reliable. Yeah, previously, the much earlier it was like nobody knows what's happening, nobody knows where, where is the, the Russians, especially in the, the southern front, in, in the Kherson Mikolai region, the Russians are just running all over the place and and it's like you can't even track what the hell, where the hell they went. They, they like you now the information come bits and pieces. So the, the style of uh, mapping the information was different. It was just uh, a change because the the war have changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so it was very painful, and and the fact that I need to spend this much time makes me that uh, all the other a lot of the other so called experts. How are you able to know uh, as much as you know? when you get your sources? Because everybody, almost everybody, is reading the same sources. So unless you have a uh, uh, insider information, you can't possibly know uh, things that I don't know. Put it that way. So mm. that's why you know I don't watch uh, YouTube YouTube channels uh, or any YouTube videos on Ukraine war because uh, I really I feel. That everybody is just uh, interpreting what the information is, and then they put their own spin on it, or they, are, they inject their own opinion. Especially for the you know the pro Ukrainian ones that are just uh just like fanboys, you know? they are just you no know, for their fans of this like like as if it's a football match, they are making making things up, making things make bad things sounds good, make good things sounds better. They're, so they are just using the same piece of information. Like even though they are pro-Ukrainian, they are actually taking pro-Russian information to, to report all these things. And then they just put their own spin on it. So, yeah. So the same thing for all the experts, be it uh, the Colonel McGregor or whatever. No, this I believe it's the same. I, I can't possibly imagine that they know things that I do not know in terms of the Ukraine war. So unless they have insider intel, which I don't think they have, because nobody will risk their jobs to give them information that they don't have yeah but mm-hmm. and they they do have an audience to sell to like if you are already sure you've always been talking about oh uh the Russians is going to win the Ukraine are gonna lose and and then we, and NATO is doing the wrong thing then they just keep they have to keep on keep keep it, keep uh, that narrative going unless no unless something very drastically changed that they cannot hold that narrative. Yeah, so, so that's why you know I don't watch because I feel that if I watch, then they, I will just inf- influence my own uh, objective analysis of what is happening. Yeah. So for me, I my anal- my opinions come from the trends that I was because I track every day. So I can I can sense the trending of what is happening through the way how they talk, the different sources, the way how they write, the words that they use. Because even though they support their side, uh sometimes they will have to admit some certain truth. Be it like things are going tough for the Russians. Then the pro-Russian sources, sometimes they will use a different words that, that, that suggest that things are a bit not so well. Same thing for the pro-Ukrainian side, No. But when they admit that things is really bad, <laughs> then the things must be really bad because they are supposed to be pro their side. Like what's happening in Bakhmut? At this moment it's horrible for the, the Ukrainians because all the pro Ukrainian sources sounding like the end of the world. Like they are like always talking about talking about how bad Bakhmut situation is. And if the 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 supporters, the high cost supporters are saying that, then things must be much worse than what they're saying. So so yeah, so that's how I mm-hmm. read things. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure what other channels actually say. The only one that I do watch is actually History Legend, uh, because uh, he's my he's a good buddy of mine mm-hmm. uh, that I I got you know through through the coverage of Ukraine War we, we become very good friends, and uh, he also used the a lot of the information that I provide because uh, he find my information also you know because I map it daily all the sources are there, he can always click through the map and find the source and try to understand the details. But he do very good analysis because he find he talk about things that I don't cover. So even his videos, I learn things. So which is why I still watch his stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's um, that's, that's a very long answer. I'm too sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's no, it's all good. I I enjoy I enjoy listening to you talk and your analysis on this whole situation. Um, I you did mention earlier the the recent leak leaks that happened with um, the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense or Pentagon leaks, and I wanted to ask you actually a couple of questions on that because I I was reading some stuff about it and some of like the major uh, points that I saw uh, in the leaks, mm-hmm. and one of them was I believe and correct me if I'm wrong uh, that the Ukrainian. Air defense systems were being drastically uh, depleted to a point where they mm-hmm. were almost going to like uh, run out. And um, when I was reading this in the, uh, I know it's American media source, Washington Post, they were saying that well, this could potentially give way to Russians then having uh, air superiority over Ukraine without having to worry about, you know. Ukrainian missiles shooting down their planes. Um, do um, what I, I guess one question is, how how drastic or like how um how severe of a blow would that be to Ukraine if Russians did have like free reign over their air, airspace like that?
1: They already largely have free reigns over Ukraine for a long time. Oh, so really? that is the problem with um, the, you can have air defense, but the thing is that every time you use your air defense, you get marked where your air defense is, especially you know, when the Russians launch all these different drones and missile strikes on Ukraine. Uh, every time the, the SAM system light up, the sec- there is a saying that there was always a second wave of missiles targeting all these same sites. So this is already one problem uh, that the Ukrainians have been facing. And uh, whenever they detect um uh, the the because it's it's like the the pro Ukrainian side is very very cute they always you know, talk about wow well, they have these Hums missiles you no know, this missile that tracks radar and they actually attacks radar the the Russians have pro- definitely have similar stuff so whenever you on your radar you get you you get detected and uh, the Russians also using the the surveillance drones and actively looking for air defense systems so the the ukrainians are constantly losing air defense all the time because it's a war so it's, it's 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 just you know the Russians probably will lose as well uh so it's it's just a war you no know, people die things get destroyed all the time it's just a matter of race who are you making good trades uh so but the Russians nowadays so they already have air superiority they have missile superiority artillery superiority the ukrainians used to have UAV superiority that's gone the russians now have more uavs now probably more than the ukrainians because that was also reported by pro-ukrainian sources uh then then now the russians have uh they 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 have uh improvised the 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 dumb bomb so the bombs that are just the uh, people the aircraft used to just drop they're now you know, augmented to be able to glide to fly further so and then they can be uh, super accurate. Within I read was uh, within ten meters accuracy. Uh, but these bombs are huge. These are five hundred to one thousand five hundred kilogram bombs. So this so so just to put into context how powerful such a bomb is, a HIMARS biggest payload was I think only ninety kilometers ninety kilograms. HIMARS missile, the biggest uh uh unitary they call it unitary warhead. That means it doesn't... Uh, because most high mass actually, uh, they explode into uh, multiple small bombs. So if it's just one rocket, uh, the biggest warhead was 90, kilo- 90 kilograms. A bomb from an aircraft can go from 500 to 1,500 kilograms. So wow. the explosion is so much more powerful. And these bombs now can fly on their own. They can glide to their targets. And and I read was like, they are dro- dropping these bombs 80, 90 kilometers, or... Uh, the closest is 30, 40 kilometers from the front line. So wow. The that means the surface to air defense, surface to air defense of the Ukrainians, which you cannot put it on the front line. You have to put it behind the front line. They cannot even target the, the, the Russian aircraft. The Russian aircraft would just, probably just enter the range of the radar. The missiles can't even launch. They drop their bombs and they turn around and go. So the, the Russians already have air superiority and they, they are now bombing the Ukrainians at will regardless of what the Ukrainians do. And the Ukrainians the which is why no they are de- they are asking so much about the F-16s. They they want they need the fighter jets to 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 able to intercept this Russian aircraft. But the the fact is, um depending on the version of the F-16 they are given given, they might not even have the M the mid-range missiles that can engage in further range. So if they give them the lowest end F-16, they probably might not have the ability because they only have sidewinders and and there is disregarding the fact that the russians have one of the world is have the world's best air defense systems they have the s-400s s-300s S there is a rumored s-450s we do not know what the hell they have that they can easily shut down everything so because it's arguable you know if the americans have better air defense system i have no idea but the russians is always famous for air defense so so it's, it's there's nothing much the Ukrainians can do at this moment. So if the, and, and the Russians have no needs to fly into Ukraine as well. They are, they are always going to just fly near the front line, drop their bombs and go. Because why why is there any need to fly into Ukraine to risk your aircraft? Because there will definitely be air defense systems deeper into Ukraine. For that sure. So yeah. there's no reason for them to fly in. They can just use missile strikes They can use drones. So. So that's why there is a different kind of uh mental, the military strategy. Like the, the Americans love to fly their planes into enemy territory. And they use the stealth aircraft, take out all the same size, the radar, power stations. But usually they are not fighting a peer-level uh, enemy. Mm-hmm. So not like Ukraine versus Russia, This is pretty much they're very close in terms of uh, the level of military. So yes, that uh, the Ukrainians are like a smaller version of Russia uh slightly lower tech that's all and then they are now augmented with western equipment. So they are pretty much close. So the whether the Americans can do the same thing to the to Russians is a question mark. nobody knows whether they can do it. Mm-hmm. So so the, the Russians they do not have this kind of doctrine. They are always gonna be like using their air force only closer to the front line. Like I, I'm not even sure if they they use that much aircraft even in the first week of war. Uh, flying, I think they only have some flying over Kiev. I think because mm-hmm. they, I think they are providing air air harbor uh, for their airborne troops. But otherwise, I don't really know. I don't really see the the Russians like sending oh saying like the World War ii they send through the send the bombers in deep into enemy airspace kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, I even the the heavy bombers they are launching cruise missiles. They are not dropping like, dumb bombs, so. So so we, we there's still more to come, I guess.
0: And as yeah, far as Another the, uh,
1: stupid long answer. <laughs> Why am I always giving such a long answer?
0: <laughs> no, you're very detailed. No, I appreciate it. Um with the the F sixteens that you mentioned, uh currently what is do, like do we know the state the current state of like the Ukrainian Air Force or like do they even have like a quote unquote air force?
1: So apparently their first their first uh, pre-war air force was gone. It's pretty much gone. Uh at least the fighter jets and um many of the aircraft. Helicopters they still have a lot, uh previous from the pre-war, I guess. But I think then after that they started to refurbish all the Soviet era uh our, the Air Force. They're, that's why they have a revival. Because for, for during my reporting it was there was a one month period from memory. Uh, around a one month period, there's totally no information of any shoot downs of Ukrainian uh, Air Force. So it was very bizarre. It was very weird because previously I don't even report on shoot downs because it was happening so often. Like that is it's like a daily thing. So it's like, what's the point of reporting something that is like, you know, always going to happen all the time. But after that, it started to keep, it was so quiet. Uh, there's no shootdown for so long that I started to realize I thought that the Ukrainian Air Force is gone. Then after that, they there was information that or they actually revived all the Soviet airframe. They repair it, maybe give it some engine or whatever. Then they sent them to fly and do their work. And then, there, then came all the donated aircrafts from all from all of NATO and the Western countries where they used to be part of the Warsaw Pact. So they have a lot of the Soviet-era planes, they all donated. So until today, they still have an air force, but this air force is very limited. Uh, a lot of the F- the aircraft was lost uh, uh, during their offensives because they were using the air force to help to support their offensive. May- there are quite a number of aircraft, I remember, getting shot down during those days. And then there was also another period where they lost a lot of aircraft when the Russians are pushing around a month, two months ago, the past few months. Where the russians were pushing and then they, they also lost a lot of aircraft because they are trying to help out their ground defense to push back the russians and that was when they also seemed to lose so many aircraft. so mm-hmm. they still have the air force today No, i, I they still have downs, but it's got getting a lot lesser i su- i suspect they are preserving their fo- their air force for their offensive so, so I think okay. that's the reason because you 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 cannot just spend it all. You you can spend the aircraft, and then you can wipe out your whole air force in a day if you want to. But you yeah, but it's probably better to preserve it, keep it a grind, mm-hmm. because that's basically what the war is now. It's just an attritional warfare.
0: And you know what? Um, another thing I saw in those leaks was the the talks of the the number of casualties between UK- Ukraine and Russia. And I-, I don't know if if you saw that as well. And do you take the numbers yeah. that were in the leaks? I believe um, uh, in the leaks, it said a- around 71,000 f- on the Ukrainian side casualties, and then Russian side, 16,000 to 17,500. Um, yeah, not- that's
1: a fake number. That's the, yeah. that's the manipulator number. That's not the real one. The real one was... I believe the real one was, they wrote around like 76,000 for the Russian side. And then the, the, the Ukrainian side was like 60 something. Let me check my my information. So I, I because I was, I'm trying to collect all this data, all these papers as well. Mm-hmm. So I the think the number was, let me check, what's the, which one was it? Uh, sorry guys, if you are on podcast, um, so I will just talk about something while I'm trying to search the numbers. <laughs> yeah, the the one that you saw was the 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 fake one, uh, where they say mm-hmm. that there was a seven sixteen thousand to seventeen point five thousand KIA. Mm-hmm. I think that is the wrong one because they only they wrote that the Russians only lost seven air, fighter aircraft. That's clearly wrong. That's the manipulated one. Where's the other
0: one? Um, and I even sorry podcast. <laughs> No, I I even saw that uh the the Pentagon had released numbers saying that there was like close to a quarter of a million, 200,000 uh Russian casualties um which seems like uh way too much. I but you know just upon like my limited knowledge, I that just seems like quite a bit even though I know Russia has a big military, so you know, just from sheer numbers, but
1: oh, I found the the I found the the corrected one mm-hmm. is a thirty five point five to forty three point five thousand kia for the Russian side, so seventy two fighter or bombers, eighty two helicopters, and then six thousand and four ground vehicles. So the Ukrainian side they wrote is that they lost only sixteen thousand to seventeen point five thousand. So they are saying the Russians are lost three times more. And then uh the Ukrainians say that they lost sixty thousand sixty aircraft, thirty-two helicopters, and eleven SAM, thirty-four tactical SAM, which is like impossible. They definitely lost more than that. Mm-hmm. So the so but as usual, you know, be on Twitter, on, on my channel, anywhere, I always tell people not to care that much about the casualty numbers. Uh, especially when the Ukrainians talking about Russian casualties or the Russians talking about Ukrainian casualties, they can't possibly know the real casualty numbers. Because if you drop a bomb, you can the entire body can just disintegrate. It, it, it can just explode into pieces and then you can never find a body ever again. How do you going to count? The, the, they are just projecting. They, they they always have this projection, of course, because based on the troops, troop intel, uh, the information, the reports that is submitted from the troops on the ground, then they do dump some estimates because that allows them to do war planning but these numbers are always not not accurate Like i say intel is just a signal so it's not it's not really uh the facts you do not know the facts so the the only thing that they can they can know is their own casualty numbers the russians will always know their own casualty numbers the ukrainians will always know their casualty numbers the because once you lose contact with your troops, B, they, they can be, you know, A war, they they can be like disappear, they uh they can surrender, they can miss so they're MIA missing in action, they can be uh they just surrender. So basically that's missing in action as well. They can be uh killed off and then you just lost contact. So only you know how much troops that you can still command. Uh because the 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 units on the ground will actually always report on their sit the situation report, saying you know how many troops are still you know intact in their unit, how many troops has been lost, or have they lost contact with. So so but even that the Ukrainians will never tell the truth to the to the allies because why would they do that? Because if you tell them that oh we actually lost you know one hundred twenty thousand troops or 200,000 250,000 troops the the probably most likely where I estimate the real number is is over 100,000 to 200 250,000 because it's it's been a long time you no know? I the last time i said they lost 100,000 was that was like half a year ago so so they probably already lost more than that because the russians now attacking with the mobilized troops so the war is a lot more intense than it was half a year ago so the they cannot admit the truth, because if they admit the truth, the allies would you know, especially if you look at the papers, the information was that they are being shared with so many different countries. So all these different countries, their military leaders, their generals, the Ministry of Defense, when they read and they was like, they will get demoralized. Like, how do we, how do we help Ukraine when Ukraine is losing or you know, losing so badly? So the numbers of the russians losing three times more then they're like oh you see the ukrainians are doing very well we need, we need to feed them more ammunition and weapons so that they can fight better that makes sense and that's probably why we are hearing the narrative or the uh the way how the western leaders put it you know they always like very bullish about their chances it's probably because of these reports you know they, they react with, they think that has to be russians no they can't even beat the ukrainians we are gonna feed them more weapons but the reality on the ground might actually be very different. The numbers, the casualty numbers, easily will be ten times there uh, of what what there was written there by the Ukraine uh, by this on this paper. Because if if the Ukrainians reported that they only lost twenty thousand troops, the the Americans are not going to put their own estimates there, because they are not going to piss off the Ukrainians, because ultimately they are all friends and allies, right? So they have to take their numbers and take their words for it. Mm. Similarly. The Ukrainians say, "Oh, Bucha massacre." The all the Western countries will have to agree that oh, that happened, even though maybe in their mind they don't they, they don't believe it's real it's real, but they have to play along, because they are now all part of the same team, and uh, that is actually very dangerous because if there is no pushback, then the Ukrainians can do whatever they want, say whatever they want, mm-hmm. and yeah, so this is what we see, and that will actually have a consequence in terms of the war, you know, like like just like these casualty numbers if the if the US do not have the proper estimates then all the allies will have will be making decisions based on wrong information and then you'll be they'll be, they'll be big, making a bad information so so we, the, mm. you can also tell it from you know how the propaganda from the Ukraine contradicts with the things that they themselves say sl- later like for example they say they are winning they say they are shooting down the russian aircraft by this much. Then they say that they actually need more air defense there is a contradiction there then after that, they say that oh they need fighters but then you're winning right so why suddenly you need more fighters there's a lot of contradiction because the ukrainians are going on a full information war uh also some other, some called hybrid warfare so as a result so many of their words cannot be trusted. So they actually, by right, hybrid warfare is actually used on your enemy. But what happens is that the Ukrainians also use it on their own friends, on their own allies, the, the European countries and the Americans. So they also use the same technique to pressure the West to give them more stuff. And in the end, what happens is that when they talk to the media, talk to the press, talk to other countries, talk to the leaders, the information always varies is always contradicting so um, yeah so that's why you know these papers because this, all this leak become uh, very significant to a lot of uh, analysts because this just shows the truth as much as what this paper might be uh, of what is actually happening on the ground and uh, it, it, it negates a lot of this uh, pro-ukrainian uh, talk or the information from the ukrainian defense ministry or the leadership. You're know, talking about all these, you know, chest thumping kind of words, where it's very confusing. Like, at one hand they say they are winning, then on the other hand they say the Russians are, you know, firing seven times more shells than the, than them. It's like, so are you winning or you're not winning? You know, that kind of thing is very confusing. So, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, uh, one last thing on on the leaks that uh, a very interesting thing that I saw um, in them was this thing about South Korea and how Mm -hmm. um south korea apparently and again correct me if i'm wrong on this they were concerned that if they were to export um military items to the united states that those items would then end up in ukraine and they were very uh concerned like they did not want that to happen for fear of potentially uh like pissing off the russians uh Would you say that that's accurate?
1: uh, I think that's just bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because they are selling to the Polish tremendous number of tanks, tremendous number of, uh, I think, artillery and shells. And clearly, the Polish is going to send all this to Ukraine or they're going to enter war with Russia um, for whatever stupid reason that they put themselves into. We do not know what's the plan of of poland because they are militarizing in the, in the at the level that it looks like they are going to prepare for war for, with russia or they are planning to conquer the rest of west europe i know i have no idea why are they militarizing so much so they are buying way too much weapons they are buying way too much tanks they are buying like one i think 100 haimas or 200, 200 or 300 haimas It's like it's some stupid numbers where it's it's like numbers coming from the sky so the So, Poland, we do not know what Poland is doing. So, and the Koreans are contributing a huge part of this uh, militarization. So, definitely a portion is going to end up in Ukraine. So, the, the, the South Koreans worry, but yet they want to earn the money. It's nonsensical to me. So, selling things to the Americans that end up in Ukraine is also nonsensical. So, it's like... I don't think that is a worry at all. Okay. I think they're more, more more worried about the branding. They are not worried about the weapons reaching Ukraine because that's good for good for business, right? <laughs> they're more worried about the branding, you know. Uh, we are now involved in a war has nothing to do with us. And they are just next to Russia. So so no, that's their concern. But the thing is they are they are totally uh US uh leaning. Or U.S. Uh, pro U.S. or within the influence of U.S. Mm. Like hundred percent, they are in in the U.S. Uh, side, just like in just like Japan. So no, the moment Americans uh, go against the Russians, as like see them as an enemy, then you are part of. They are also become the enemy of Russia, naturally. So like, it's not. They are not even trying <laughs> to to not be that. Like like at least you know the, the Singapore you know after the sanctioning of, uh Russia, kind of backtrack and then the Russian embassy is still in Singapore, uh we have a full ambassador from Russia in Singapore as well, so the, and then we are also buying we are secretly buying Russian uh, energy, we are also, um, know, went to pay our respect to the new emperor in China, uh so. Just like you know, Macron went to pay the respect to the Emperor of China. So the so we at least you know we you can still argue that you know, France and Singapore is like, oh, we are not that uh US led. We are, we still have our own foreign policy. What is South Korea doing? No, South Korea is not even doing this kind of thing. They 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 they, they but then they have their own problem, they have North Korea. So so their their concern is irrelevant at all. I don't think it's important at all. It's it's not like oh the Russians are going to say okay North Korea going to invade South Korea because they you know not South Korea give what ammunition and weapons to Ukraine. It's not never going to happen. North Korea will not go to war also due because of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to die for Ukraine. So so yeah, I think it's a, non, it's okay. a nothing burger.
0: But <laughs> well, th- yeah, thank you for uh clarifying that. Um
1: I mean, I can't be wrong, you know, I don't think my word for it. I'm just saying that based on my opinion, mm-hmm. because, you know, geopolitics is actually my interest is I'm not that good with military stuff. Yeah, I'm just I'm more towards the geopolitics because uh, I like to look at decisions, actions, and uh, I'm not I'm less influenced by the, the narrative and the speech because uh, politicians tend to lie. Uh, So, and then not just the politicians, even the ministry's spokesmen tend to lie. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, for example, China, China spokespersons have nothing to do with what their ministry is doing. They're just there to make themselves look good. That's their job. That's their brand. Their their job is is to do branding for China. So, whatever they say has zero correlation to what they are doing. So, mm. so, so, they can say, no, we are totally not militarizing South China Sea. I think th- this is the outrageous lie, Then the next six months later, the missiles is in the is on the island. this that's what China do, so you know, usually I only watch the actions, and if if you watch the actions, you will know much more than just listening to what they say
0: and to go along with that, um you know, with i I think China didn't China also say that, oh, we're not." we're not supplying Russia with any, you know, military items. However, they still supply, you know, things like microchips maybe, which end up being used militarily. Like, is that kind of like another example of what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but you have to look at from China's perspective, Russia is a huge military threat and a geopolitical rival to China. I mean, Russia. Russia is a huge threat to China. They are the only country with a common border where tanks can just roll in into China. So the so this Ukraine war is definitely you know China is definitely very happy with this war because it forced Russia to treat China better because Russia has never wanted to 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 be so good so close to China like they always keep China with uh, at arm's length. What happens instead they actually make all the trade deals with Germany you know to sell the oil they always you know Russia had always tried to integrate with the Europeans they're trying to make friends they build all the pipelines most of the pipeline pipelines is to Europe it's not to China they could have done it done it with China a long time ago they only have one or two pipelines to China and it was also rather new the thing is the war have forced russia into a position where they had to find new markets and uh, china is that market and the consumer goods that they used to import from europe and the west now they just get the, the 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 alternatives from china so they have no choice russia have been forced into that position so but the thing is like i said they are still a military threat russia along with united states is the only two countries that can potentially defeat china in the war I don't even th- I don't even think India can so India and China will fight to a stalemate the Russia and United States can literally defeat China even if China have the so-called one billion population nonsense thing the they can potentially defeat it so 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 for China they want this war to drag as long as possible because it will force Russia's hands and it also weakens Russia militarily or at least you know let it economically become weaker that sort of things so it's to china's advantage to not give russia weapons mm-hmm. to let it let them grind and uh, they know that russia have the capability to build the ammunitions or whatever you know just feed them some of these uh, components and let them do their things there's no reason to provide uh, russia with things uh, mm-hmm. they don't have to because they they have their own concerns because who knows? They want to start a war with Taiwan if the situ is right. if the time is right. If United States is uh, distracted enough, Europe is distracted enough. Then, then is is a good time to attack Taiwan because they don't think the United uh, US will be able to react to that that well. So tentatively, it's not the right time because United States is not at war. Mm-hmm. So so the navies, all the carrier groups are all free. They are still you know nothing to do. They are just sailing around. So. It's not the right time just yet, but China, China, in my opinion, China will will not help. They will just say a lot of things like you no. Know, lately, they went to Russia, and then uh, they say about all this so called peace plan, peace plan, which is not a peace plan. They they are just basically just saying trying to say things that make themselves looks looks good, so mm-hmm. paint themselves as the good guys. And uh, yeah, it's it's working out for them. Because people really thought that there was a peace plan. Even the, the Ukrainians thought that there was a peace peace plan, but there wasn't. They w- they were angry that the Chinese didn't didn't call him, didn't call Zelensky. <laughs> they thought Xi Jinping would call Zelensky, which is crazy. He's like he's the emperor. You are not the emperor. You are supposed to go to him, not him come to you. Mm-hmm. So the, the Zelensky. So the so there is this also you no know, Zelensky because everybody has been to him. So you no. Know, he he's he's feeling really powerful in the sense that even though his um country is under siege, he's feeling like you know everybody's listening to him. He so so he probably also you know felt a bit indonated, indonated, I guess, right a bit unhappy that you no know, the Chinese did not come and visit. You know, the Japan Japanese Prime Minister came. So he's like, Why the hell is the whole whole the world's leaders all going to Kiev for what? You no, know, <laughs> It's like it don't make sense to me. So now, because he's so used to that, he thought that Xi Jinping will come will come to him because he just went to Moscow, right? So he might go to you know Kiev, you know, that will give Kiev a lot of uh, bargaining trip. But China did not even bother talk talk to them, which is so funny. Wow. So, yeah that, that was that was funny. <laughs> I just thought just I just thought that was funny. I was like, yeah, because when when they were talking about because. So so off sorry off for the off tangent, but he's like, so when Xi Jinping went went to Moscow, I was like, thinking so because there was news reports saying that he he'll go to Kiev next. Was I thinking? I was thinking for what? Why would they want to do that? You know, like the uh, I don't think so. You know, my gut feeling was that they will not do that. Then so everybody was watching and waiting, and then he just he just flew back to China, and then that's it. Then two weeks later, three weeks later. no, then, then like the past week, you know. I think the, the stories was that uh, Zelensky is pissed because you no, know, uh, China did not uh did not uh, call even call Zelensky at all. Mm-hmm. That was I like, thinking, why the hell do they want to call you for what reason? This like, why do they need to you no know, give their pay their respect to you? You should be paying the respect to the new emperor. He got his third term, you know. He he officialized that he's a pr- emperor now. Just that the term is not emperor, it's the president. There's no one can be uh forever serving. You can only serve two terms as the leader of China. So he got the he got his third term, he consolidated power, he's literally emperor. Mm-hmm. He's now one of the he's now officially the most one of the most powerful p- person in the world. Previously, maybe it's not, you know, because you you can't be replaced. Just like the US president. Yeah, you can be powerful, but it's not forever powerful. You are not emperor. Mm-hmm. Now China now he's the emperor, now he's like it can be forever powerful. Yeah, so why would why would you why would China call you for? Why? There's nothing to benefit for China. Yeah. Like what's the benefit? I I do not know what's the benefit to, to China, you no. Know, piss off Russia. So why why would they want to piss off their their their, their you no know, backup plan. Mm-hmm. Because because if Russia is going to provide all the energy to you China, then China would have less worries about the water the water channels getting uh uh blockade by the United States so they don't need to depend so much on oil and gas from the Middle East so they can you no know, import energy coal even uh from Russia all overland so much more safer safer so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's that uh, sorry sorry listeners for all the super long answers it's unnecessary I understand <laughs> right when will this, way shut up. No, and <laughs> I um, you get your point across. It's enough.
0: <laughs> no, and I just uh, I, I love listening to it, so no, for me, it's a treat. So, no, no worries at all, Why? <laughs> um, speaking of like the relationships between these countries, Russia specifically, um, during the time of this war. <laughs> What has been or what countries have not necessarily like come to the aid of Russia, but have are there countries out there who have kind of refused to like outright um like what's the word? Condemn Russia or they're kind of just staying back and saying, well, it's not our fight? Like are are there a lot of countries out there like not outright supporting Russia? That's but,
1: most of the world. That's oh, most no. of the world. That, that's the funny thing because because in, when the United States talk, they always say, no, the world, the world, the world, because like as if they represent the world or Europe plus uh, North America, actually just Canada and United States, that represents the world because that is the world to, to the Western world. That is the Western world. So they say the world mm-hmm. and the world includes, will include Japan, South Korea, Australia, and maybe Singapore and uh, Philippines. So, they think that that's the world, but the thing is, most of the world, in reality, don't care about this war. Like, literally, they don't care. If you, I believe that if you actually look at the headlines, which I don't, so I, I'm just guessing, um, you, you're you unlikely to see Ukraine war in the front lines, in the headlines. Probably, probably very seldom. Unless something very big happened. For example, like maybe the Russians withdraw from Kherson and Kharkiv. Yeah. So that's big news enough for them to cover on the headlines on the front page. Otherwise, no, nobody's gonna talk about Ukraine. Ukraine is just an is just some you no know, far away land that nobody cares. Just like nobody cares about Armenia and Azerbaijan when they fight. Like when they fight, I don't even know they fought <laughs> like the last time. Until you know certain things happened about because of, because of the usage of the drones, and then how the Armenians you know uh, lost the war so quickly, that actually made the news because it was a shock to people that they lost the war so quickly, uh, because of drones. That was the first time a country-to-country conflict that drones becomes the main uh, vanguard in the war, in the war, in the military operation, but. That was the reason that was it was on, it was on it was even going on into the news. Nobody cares about them fighting. Just like nobody cares about Myanmar now, until you know lately the horrific photos came out from um, a bombing mission from the junta, the military junta. But those those airstrikes is happening on a weekly basis or a daily basis. Oh just at this one in particular, they have very good photos. That shows the bodies heavily mutilated because of the explosions. So that made headlines. So why would c- people care about Ukraine? So is the West that is only the other people only care about Ukraine? Just like because maybe because like they like to say you know they are all white and they are all blue eyes. <laughs> so they are their their own people. So they are all Caucasians. So yeah, maybe maybe that's that's the reason. That's the reason. Just like who cares about Palestine? Nobody cares about Palestine. Only, only the Muslims care about Palestine because oh, it's their own people. Because they, like, or the Rohingyas because they are all you know, Muslims. But the thing is, in but that is because that's only the interest in terms of reading the news. Who, cares? who actually cares? Like, really care? Not much. Even for be it Palestinians or the Rohingyas or the Burmese, no one cares. No one is going to say, "Cannot we have to do the right thing?" Then the country declare war. We're going to enter war. We're going to like you no know, do whatever we can. Nobody does that. Nobody go to their MP and say, uh, um, uh no, you have to go to Parliament and and you no know, demand that we enter war or we demand that we you no know, do something to this ex government because we need to help our better, veterans or no nobody cares. No, mm-hmm. the own so Ukraine war is very weird because the entire of the so called Western world cares. About Ukraine, but they never cared when it was still a whole country. You know, they don't really care when they like. Who care about Ukraine? Ukraine is the place where you you find uh male order brides. You no, know, do you want a Ukrainian wife? Then that's where you know you try to you know find get get your money scammed by you know some Ukrainian company dating company dating agency. Bring you to meet some Ukrainian woman, and then your money got scammed because they don't want to marry you. <laughs> like maybe that's that's what. You no, know, other than that, you know, Ukraine don't really appear uh, on people's radar except football. You no, know, maybe sometimes Ukrainian football was doing well, but yeah, but is that wasn't very often as well. So, mm-hmm. or maybe Dynamo Dynamo Kyiv or you know Shakhtar in football they, they're doing well in the Champions League, but otherwise, you know, people never. talk. Think about Ukraine. Then suddenly, you know, this war. Oh, everybody is about Ukrainian. It's like, come on, man. You know, this' that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That's I ridiculous.
0: I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I I do not know why I was talking about this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I am so off the tangent. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm. No. I, I blame the Rebu. Yeah,
0: well, I um, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, something. To another thing you mentioned earlier uh, about like the first week of the of the war being uh, like lots of things happening, and is this was the first week where Russia like went directly at uh, Kiev, the capital, and yes. they they went directly at it, and um,
1: they're really at it what um they, they they were right outside kiev on the first to second day okay that was how fast it was so so in their operations so i i believe uh the the idea was to put immediate pressure on uh on the ukrainian government to make them go into negotiations because they i don't think the russians won a war so that's why that's why they call it a special military operation because the idea is just to subjugate the Ukrainian government to make them, for good, sign a deal that ends the conflict in Donetsk. And just let the whole Donetsk and Luhansk um, region go on their own. To become independent and 100% is going to join Russia and join Russia. Because the, the conflict there has been going on for too long. You have to understand that this is to to the to the west they are very naive they think that this is Russian imperialism Imperialism doesn't work into this age because you can't massacre people to to force your will how the mongols can conquer such a big land is because anyone who resists the mongols get wiped out all the guys all the males of you know, adult age and teenage age I'm not sure the boys will get killed I can't remember but all guys is killed only left the girls that's how the mongols can conquer such huge territory without massacring populations you cannot have imperialism it's not possible how the nazis are able to what the nazis did, did was imperialism they basically go in they, they take out certain level a uh, certain population and wipe them out uh, but but as you can also tell from world war ii it's so difficult even the Nazis strike, they, they, they cannot kill people fast enough that they have to start to use t- uh, poison gas and everything because there's just way too many people. The modern age is very different from the medieval age. There's just way too many people to the point where you can't really do imperialism because you can't really control this money, many people, even you have, if you have the weapon. It's just so hard. So, so to the concept of Russian imperialism is nonsensical. The... They are the same people. They are all Russians. To to the Russians, they are all Russians. Even Ukrainians are Russians to the Russians. It's just that the Ukrainians think that at least the West Ukrainians think that they are different people from the Russians, which I can understand because they are in in between Poland and and the Russians. So maybe just like the Rohingyas think that they are their are, they are their own people, even though they are actually uh Banglades, they are actually Bangladeshi they, or Chittagonians. They 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 are like a separate separate race, they are actually part of another race, but they because they got separated from Bangladesh or or in the past East Pakistan, so they make their own identity. So they they call themselves the Rohingyas. But actually, they're just Bangalas or or Bangladeshis. So it's very funny. So the Ukrainians are doing the same thing as well. They think that, oh, they they are separate people. But to the Russians, the East Ukraine is all Russians. And the people would just identify them as themselves as ethnic ethnic russians just like i i say i'm chinese although that may don't make sense in the western world because they think that chinese is china so but in 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 asia because there's so many ethnic chinese in every country when we say chinese we are just talking about our race so i'm chinese so if you come to singapore you will hear that you say oh i'm chinese but they're not talking about the nationality because we will be very specific when you say china chinese or or the PRCs because they are a totally different kind of people from us. So so the but the people in the East Ukrainians, the East Ukrainians are Russians technically. And the for in if you are Russian, you are Russia, and you're su- supposedly the homeland of all uh all Russians, then you will find it very disturbing, right? No. The, these two a regions just next to us. We are such a big country and these two small little regions uh, are getting uh, killed and uh, they are getting you know, suppressed just because they cannot agree with the overthrowing of the president. So they fought their own rebellion. They wanted self-rule and they wanted a, a, autonomy, uh, autonomy which the new government don't allow, which is why there, there was this fight because <clears throat> the Ukrainians the new ukrainian government did not want to talk is they they say that no you will follow our rule they send in the military that's how that's why there was a civil war in the first place so the russians have their own reasons to go in it would not that i agree but that's just how things will happen because once you try to do something against democratic rule or democratic law that's what happens Like so no it always happens every time rule of law democracy all these government systems are there for a reason because once you break them, the country will go into chaos. What's happening in the United States is the same thing. The the entire election system is now um uh, many people dubbed it. You no, know, whether is it legitimate. Then you know the 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 justice systems is now um uh, getting dubbed as well. How can you arrest the former president on weird charges? So and then you know why people can lie on oath, and nothing ever happened to them. So eventually, this will all lead up to a breakup of the country or the breakdown of the country. Same thing happened in to Ukraine when you overthrow a democratically elected president. Of course, your country is going to go into anarchy, and so that's yes, that's how it is. So, um, yeah. What was why was I talking about all this? <laughs> I lost. I lost. I lost my train of thought.
0: Um, I think it was, I, I had, uh, I had asked about, um, the initial, initial stage of the war. They marched or not marched. but Oh yeah. Why why we talking about yeah. so far away? So, so
1: they, <laughs> so they, they went straight for Kiev mm-hmm. then, and then they have airborne troops drop airborne troops trying to take one of the, the airport. So the plan was to put pressure on Ukraine. So they tried to take the, the air base and then they want to use the air base to, uh air uh air transport more stuff in. They didn't the problem is the Russians did not expect the kind of uh resistance the Ukrainians put up. So they, they never thought that the Ukrainians will fight back to that kind of extent. Because if your country is suddenly you know getting uh overwhelmed with uh one, one, one fifth maybe of the country getting uh overrun by the Russian forces, probably you will give up and just talk, because anyway, the Russians are not intending to, oh yeah, because I said the Russians don't want to fight a war. So, so the, because the Russians are not there to fight a war, because the troops, troop levels is just not high enough. So, they just want to negotiate, so that they, end it it once and for all. So the, however, the Ukrainians have a different plan, and uh, whoever is uh, advising Ukraine from the NATO side, definitely have a different plan, they want the war. So they already prepared Ukrainians for war. So, so that's what they did. Yeah. So, and the Russians, because they embarked in such an ambitious plan, and they are not ready for to control such a huge territory, uh, the Russians have uh, took a lot of losses, a lot of casualties because their troops are too spread out, and uh, eventually they have to give up the entire northern front where they actually drive all the way to Kiev and to the edge of Kharkiv. Because they have to give it up, because they just don't have enough troops to hold it, and um, eventually there w- there will be two more, I think three more redrawers, uh, Kharkiv twice, and then uh, Kherson. Also, because of troop numbers problem, because they, the Russians, like I said, they are not imperialistic. Because if they are, they will not have prepared such such a small number of troops to invade the country. They will have. They have they will have a uh, one million strong troops, and then uh NATO not even sh- would probably not even sure if they want to get involved because the troop number will be so high. So it's not that's not the number that they have.
0: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
1: th- and then the troops are also they are just part of their regular force where they have a contract. So there was like a six month contract kind of thing. So once the contract ended, all the troops re- was gone redrawn. That's when the Ukrainians started their counteroffensive because the Russians do not have the regular forces. There was literally almost no Russian military in Ukraine when the Ukrainian offensive uh, happened. The, it was defended mostly by the militias, uh, by the, the militias from do, the uh, Donbass region, the Luhans and the Donetsk region, and the volunteer forces. So which is why, you know, if you follow the war, like for example in the battle for Liman, where the counter offensive came, the Ukrainian offensive came, you will hear that the, the stories is that it's the BAS-13, the, the volunteer group that was holding the line and and it's not Russian military. The Russian military only came later to, to, to they are the mobilized troops, they just mobilized and then they don't even have gone through training. They immediately went in, uh, covered the retreat route and then they pulled back all the way back to Crimea. So that was, yeah, so... So that that also shows another point of why the Russians are not imperialistic. Because who the hell go try to conquer a different country with such bad planning? That was not the plan of the Russians. Mm-hmm. So they the all the plans went wrong. So which is why the Russians is going to act very differently now. Just for because the, which is why you no know, the Russian government also the leadership expressed their disappointment. Uh, when Merkel, uh, Merkel and and then then later got another guy I forgot his name, um admitted that the agreement was just to delay to give time to the Ukrainians to uh, militarize and I I think the Russians already know that I mean they are not stupid it's just that maybe the confirmation of this information just disappoint them because like I said the Russians really want to integrate with Europe they really want to be European the Russians always think themselves as European even the people living in the far east they also think that that they are Europeans so the disappointment must be tremendous for the Russians as well, because to the Russians it's like, why are you doing all this? We built the pipeline so that we have trade. No, we buy all your cars, all your branded goods. No, we just want peace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you cannot allow Ukraine to do this to to our ethnic Russians, and they have to do something about it. They waited for eight years. It's not like they did not wait. They have to. They 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 did annex Crimea. But there was a military con, uh, con- consideration. They have to, because Crimea Crimea was historically Russian land, and they have their naval naval base there. The main problem is the naval base. They cannot allow, um, because they know that. So what happens is that you overthrow a pro-Russian government, the president. Then the next time, then you're not going to ever get a pro-Russian president ever, and they probably also predicted that. When this happens, the pro-Russian uh side is gonna rebel somehow because of anarchy. And as a result, um if they go into a civil war kind of situation, like what eventually happens, then you either the official election will always be pro-West, the results. Because the pro- the pro-Russian side will never be voting. And as that's exactly why, since the the overthrow of the president since 2014, every Election is going to be pro-West government because there's no not enough pro-Russians to vote against the tide, and especially so. So you no, know, they just make a calculate calculation and say that okay, we need we need to at least hold Crimea. So they took Crimea, and it's it's a defendable place because the there's a natural choke point. So the Ukrainians can't really just say, "Oh, they send in the military and try to fight back, fight, fight it back." It's not possible. But Donbass is a different thing. They just left Donbass to to rot mm-hmm. so i don't know I, I mean if i'm a donbass resident i will be peace with the russians it's like why do you take so long to come you know mm-hmm. we suffered for eight years in then mm-hmm. but you know that's that's what happens the russians came mm-hmm. they're happy now but people are still dying so yeah
0: and how close was it um in, in those initial stages to where you could get both sides to like the negotiating table i guess a, a better way to phrase this question is like how close was a deal um um how close was a deal um to be reached um if you know what i'm saying uh was it close at okay, all at one point
1: so there was this very high level talk um in istanbul that was around one month into the war and and um uh, as a reason and the the talk, or at least how the mainstream media or the pro Russian side or whatever like to put it as that is very close to a the deal, they are almost going to sign a deal. Then they they say that the uh, Boris Johnson then stopped it, then tell the tells Zelensky something that they will continue to support the war or whatever, and then the the Ukrainians back out of the negotiations. And then the war continues. And uh, that's also when the Russians retreated from the Kiev region entirely, the entire northern front, they gave it up. Uh, where the Russians say that it's a goodwill gesture, which I thought is nonsensical. They just cannot hold the line because the Ukrainian uh, was mobilizing and then the forces was getting stronger and stronger. So they cannot really hold the line. The, the fighting is getting fiercer and fiercer. So they have to redraw. Because if they do not redraw the entire force, that can be collapsed, can be can be destroyed. So, so my during my reporting, then I don't believe the deal will be made. I don't be, I don't believe there will be a deal at all. But if you look at a lot of the pro Russians or some of the mainstream media or you know the people who are anti NATO or whatever or just anti Ukraine, they say that you know that was the point where the deal was about to be signed and then it was hijacked by Boris Johnson flying to Kiev to convince him of something else. I don't think that's the case. Even though that's what they like to say, I don't think that's the case. During my reporting then, I, I was, I never thought that the, the, the negotiation is legit. It was just to delay time. It was just, it's just an excuse to look like they are doing something to try to reach a peace, uh, peace settlement. But there will never be a peace settlement. Because what the Russians demand of and what the Ukrainians want is a contradiction. The Ukrainians want the Russians to withdraw from Donbass entirely, including Crimea. And they want Donbass to entirely no surrender and give up. Even though Russians are the one that is invading. So it's like so you're, you're never gonna get the kind of result. The Russians definitely want Donbass and they're gonna they are hundred percent keeping Crimea. Then so how can you? How can there be a peace deal? It's mm-hmm. impossible. So, so yeah. So that's what happened. But the Russians did um, make make it clear that the long, I don't I forgot who is the one who said that. But the longer that the, this war dragged, the smaller Ukraine will become, and that's exactly what happens. Because in the initial deal, the Russians were only asking for the independence of Donbas, Donetsk, and the Luhansk region into their own republic. Mm -hmm. then they can actually go into the absorption of them into the Russian Federation because they have to be an independent country first. So that was the Russian plan. Even if they don't become independent country, I think Russia is pretty happy with that as well because they can just be another Trinistria, uh, but they have recognition from the international community because if the Ukrainians recognize them, then they will be recognized. So at least you have two small little republics that you know, Russia can take care of. I think that also works for Russia. Then at least they don't need to worry too much about you no know, uh, giving them passports or everything. Uh, no, it's not their responsibility. It's not Russia's res- responsibility. So that could also work for Russia as well. Um, but that did not happen because Ukraine don't want to surrender then. So now Russia forcefully absorbs Zaporizhia and Kherson. And of obviously, this annexation is illegal. Is so called illegal because the referendum is clearly nonsensical because only half of the people actually actually voted because the other half is in the Ukrainian side. So, so this is definitely not not legitimate. But the Russians needed it. They needed to annex all this territory so that they can justify mobilization. So, like I said, you cannot go against the law. Or the, the your constitution or the way how the government the country is supposed to run, If not you you collapse the country. So the that's why Putin understand this understand this, which is why he he's the steps taken now or according so called so called according to Russian law, and then they are they're escalating, they annex the territory. Then they can say oh welcome that back welcome this you know territory these people back to the Russian arms because they they have always been Russian, and then okay now. We need to protect them. So we need to mobilize to make sure that we finish our job, the special military operation. That's how the Russians will put it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, this is going to expand further, I believe, because the fighting now is fierce, because the op- the the objective now is just to wipe out the Ukrainian military. There will be a point where the Ukrainians will cannot, all the NATO reinforcement cannot keep up. The 100% there will, there will be this point. So once that point is reached, the um, then you will see the Russians start to spread out much faster. And then they will probably annex more land. Maybe Kharkiv, maybe uh Nikolaev region, maybe they'll invade into Odessa. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. So that so we we I don't know, but I believe that eventually at the very end, half of Ukraine will be gone. Wow. Because the other half wow. is just West U- is just west, west Ukraine, which the Russians do not want. Mm-hmm. These people, they, they have no interest in. Like I said, those are the people who believe that they are a separate people from Russia, so from Russians. So the Russians will also say, okay, sure, you'll be your own people. But they will take back whatever land that will allow Russia to defend their territory easy, which is definitely along the Dnieper River. So mm-hmm. uh, this war is still long, for sure.
0: And the current state of the war right now, and um, this—is uh, it—is it the city's pronounced Bakhmut? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Bakhmut. Yes, Bakhmut. How, um, what is what is the significance of this particular city and like the the micro the macrocosm of this whole war? Like, this is a pretty big like sticking point for both sides.
1: It's a funny thing. So, in the past. When the front line was not even near Bakhmut, Bakhmut is a very important place because it's a hub, it's a transport hub. They have there's a lot of major roads leading out from it, so that is the that's where all the supplies and reinforcement will arrive at for the Ukrainians before moving to the separate front lines on the eastern front. But the front line has already moved all the way to Bakhmut, so it's just another front line city. There was there's actually no significance to it. It's just another city. There's because it lost its purpose as a hub because the front line has gone. If let's say the the front lines are still all around, and then the Russian forces um uh, go straight into Bakhmut, and that will disable and so called you no know, operationally encircle the rest of the front line. Then yes, Bakhmut is important in that sense, but it's not. The front line just slowly gradually move into Bakhmut, and so Bakhmut is just another front line. So it wasn't. It's not strategically important at all by right it's just another city there's still many, many many cities behind it where the ukrainians can defend the problem comes because of propaganda like remember i tell you about the ukrainians doing the hybrid warfare or the information war so they they put out a lot of contradicting information first they say that you no know, Bakhmut is very important then they say Bakhmut is not important then they say Bakhmut is very important then they say that um Rush, russians are stupid to throw so many troops into a not important city then after that they say we will not let buckwood fall then you no know, we are we, then then there's rumors of you no know, they are going to withdraw from buckwood then there are people i think generals or something say say that you no know, buckwood situation is very bad they need to withdraw Then after that zelensky say that no oh, after uh, after consultation with the top generals, and the top leader, military leaders, we decided that Bakhmut is important, and we will, def- we, will we will make sure that it will not fall. You can see the information just go left and right, left and right, left and right, and and because they are so effective at uh, making use of the Western media, because the Western media are all suckers for Ukraine, so uh, whatever Zelensky or the Ukraine Ukraine government say, they think it as his bible. So, so when they say Bakhmut is important. All the press in the world printed Bakhmut is important. And that's the problem. Now Bakhmut become important because Zelensky said so. And now they cannot redraw. Even though militarily it's already gone the gone case situation. If you keep sending troops in, they're just all gonna die there because of the encirclement. And the Russians already have the artillery you know, plan out, you know, how you want to strike where we know what the coordinates, we don't even need to move. Because the Ukrainians run out of artillery to fight back. So they have very limited artillery or counter-artillery uh, abilities now in the Bakhmut region because most of them have been taken out. Because the fight there was so long, right? So eventually, because of attrition, you're going to lose all your artillery and surface air missiles and everything because you are fighting there for too long. So eventually, someone is going to die and they die. So, so now the situation is that the russians have superior uh, ground force superior artillery superior missiles superior air force everything superior and yet they have to hold the city because they already put out the word that they will hold the city so they are just sending troops in just to hold as long as they can until they are ready to do their offensive their so-called spring offensive which then the prime minister of ukraine said oh it's going to be a summer offensive which i think is a misinformation Um, They are still, and because it's going to be a spring offensive, the the leaked papers say it's going to be a spring offensive. Maybe they're just trying to confuse the information, to blur out the information so that people cannot tell if the papers are true or not. But they definitely have to go into the spring offensive because they they can't hold Dortmund for another month. It's not possible. It probably can't even hold for another week at this current rate. They are losing grounds very quickly because the Russians are no longer holding back. It seems the moment since that they are able to drop the gliding bombs, they literally just bomb any buildings that the Ukrainians try to hold. And uh, in the past, no, they don't have the kind of caliber of bombs to take up, take down the entire building. So now they could. So if you want to hold up, put a lot of troops in one building, the whole building is just going to be gone. No, so there's, the consideration for civilians was like, it's now near zero because they don't even believe that civilians in government now. So it's like, even if they, there is, is, no, I don't think the Russians care now, it seems. If they see you, they will rescue you. But, but you know, in terms of conflict, they are not going to hold back. It seems that there is this change. Previously, the Russians keep holding back. But now it's like, they are just using the big bombs and, you know, that's it because they just don't want. They just want to wipe out the military as fast as they can. There seems to be a change. It seems mm-hmm. to be. So but is not important because Zelensky mm-hmm. says also, it's important now. That's the conclusion. I I went too long for a simple answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um Wyatt, this um this has been a great conversation. Um I feel like. I can just keep throwing. I have like many other questions, but I I will have to wrap things up here. Um, I did want to ask you actually one one question, um, not Russia and Ukraine related, and it was something <clears throat> uh, something I just saw today actually, uh, and I don't know if you followed what has happened. I think just today in uh, Sudan with uh, some forces uh, rushing into. Um, the capital city of uh, Khartoum, I believe, and there's apparently some fighting going on. And I I know Sudan has had other conflicts before too, but I was just wondering if, if you were following that at all. No. Yeah, that's the problem with the
1: Ukraine war coverage because it takes so much time. I, I don't have chance to really read up uh, about the things happening over over in the other regions. There's so many things, so many important things happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of covered it because there's only one me. So that's the problem. And uh, it's very hard to... It's like every time after the four or five hours of Ukraine war uh, mapping, and then I do the video, I'm drained. So I'm very tired. So the... Which is also partly why no, I'm so tired just now because uh, after I I'm finished mapping, I went out, i quickly do one quick video and then I went, went out for my family dinner, so when I came back, I'm like, no, I wanted to do a sit, the sit wrap for the day, I just cannot. I was like, oh, cannot, I need to sleep. <laughs> then I went to sleep. So, yeah. So, but my understanding is, from the headlines is, it does seems like, yeah, it's just it seems like another coup. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think. But Sudan always been very vexed. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of things happening now in in Africa. Yeah. A lot, a lot of things. A lot of things is happening in Africa. It, the so many revolutions, so many overthrowing of governments, and uh, the governments are all also those that are not being overthrown are also starting to become very, very, very pro Russia and China, overtly, and there are also talks about no, they are going to ditch the dollar for trade in Africa. Uh, they are trying to gather gather support. So a lot of very uh, dangerous things that they are trying to do because uh, they are literally asking for invasion from the United States. So I'm not sure what will happen. Um, But when so many countries all do it at the same time, uh, United States can't possibly declare war on the entire of Africa. Mm -hmm. So yeah, which is what I mean by, you know, so many things are happening around the world. Ukraine war, like in my opinion, like, i said ukraine war is ukraine is actually very unimportant to the rest of the world the is really not important at all like nobody cares like if you talk about the export that they have the grains and everything russia is exporting the same thing mm. so the the world even if ukraine burns for another 20 years it's not going to change anything in, in terms of the rest of the world because russia will just supplement it with their own productions so so this is why I say you no, know, the rest of the world is not going to care about Ukraine. The most important thing actually is the fall due to the Ukraine war. I think that's what I think people should be watching. The world is changing crazy fast in the past year and it's only speeding up now because uh, when when the Xi Jinping took power for the third time, so he he got got voted in again, which is impossible by right. There's no such thing as a third term. So he essentially consolidated power. And uh so with him consolidating power means you no know, people are confident about China being consistent as per what he had done for the past 10 years to carry on. So so all the all the leaders that are you know, ready to you know go on the BRICS train. So you no know, BRICS is coming up. So they know that this is going to be consistent. Just like Putin is still around, they know that. So, And Modi is all around. Modi will always be around because it's a British parliamentary system, in a way. So the Prime Minister will always be around. There's unlimited terms, just like Singapore Prime Minister is unlimited terms. So with the three major powers, leaders always going to be the same, at least for the foreseeable future, everybody's going to bet on bricks. Because they know that these people is going to uh, continue to pledge support for whoever is going to follow them, so so now the do- de dollarization is happening very fast because because they sanctioned Ch- Ch- Russia out of the dollar, the and the Western financial system. So Russia have to find alternative alternative system, and as a result, China supports it because China see what happened to Russia, they don't want it to happen to them, so they support the building of a alternate alternative system. India also because India felt very threatened because. <clears throat> When Ukraine war happened, the West tried to, you know, force India into supporting the West and supporting Ukraine. And India cannot do that because Russia is a strategic ally. It's a strategic partner. Russia and India relationship is very close. This is what people don't understand. They are very, very close. The, they are, why is very close? India is a democracy. Russia is a democracy, which is why, you know, they are the perfect match to counter China. This is why they were always been very good friends, and with Russia and uh, India combining, it's basically one line, to and blocking China from any Western expansion if they ever want, want to, which I don't think so. But you know, it is a geopolitical thing. So, so the all these things that's happening, you know, everybody. So, in but India felt that pressure, so they wanted to. They will also support this alternate system because it it is it's like how can you weaponize the financial system so everybody's unhappy indonesia is saying the same thing so saudi arabia is saying the same thing Everybody is saying the same thing so the world is going to change so fast europe and united states is in danger it's now at high risk and united states is is undergoing some kind of a revolution of sort. so now so it's a lot of crazy shit is happening in united states which means that the the western leadership which is always US led is is going to have a, a inferior or ineffective leadership because Biden himself is not a good is not a very good leader. He, he don't inspire confidence. So as a result, no the 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 West is now in a very very deep uh, uh conundrum, and yet because the of the war culture, the political correctness culture that has been developed in the West over the past ten years means that nobody dares to admit wrong. And nobody dares to and, and stand up to you no know, insanity and say that no, this is stupid. No, we have to stop. Nobody dare to say that because everybody is politically correct now. No, no leaders dare to stand up and say no, this is nonsensical. Only you know Hungary dare to say that, and then the moment he said that, you know he's g- getting demonized, and then they were threaten sanctions against against the fellow EU member. You know the kind of thing is, cr- so. I I I will highly suggest no people to not care about Ukraine that much. The the war is going to just drag on for a long time. I'm I'm just stuck in the commitment <laughs> to to continue to report the war rather than no. It, to me, it's just a very boring war now. Like it's not that interesting. Uh, it, it's interesting only if you are a military person. You really like military stuff. You like war. Which no, I'm okay. I'm I like military stuff, so I can still you no. Know, I like maps, so I can still do it, but. The the key the important things is not happening in Ukraine, the important thing is happening around the world in the geopolitics, in the economics, in the financial systems. I I highly suggest you guys to follow those situation because Ukraine is really not that important, like like seriously. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ukraine is just like bug move. It's important because the leaders say so. It's not really because it's really important. Yeah, like who cares about you know what underwear Justin Timberlake no wears no it's just because the magazine says it's important mm. so don't get don't get duped into into all these tabloid headlines it's not important
0: Wyatt yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wyatt thank you very much um thank you so much yeah this was a great conversation uh, I, I certainly learned a lot and I have I mean I have pages of notes here and I would love the chance to do this again to ask you more things. Um, That's always Sunday. next time. No yeah. worries. <laughs> um, really quick before we go, uh, why where can people reach you or connect with you uh, like social media wise, your website, etc.
1: Okay. So if you want to talk to me, um, you can always find my name, Wyatt ming Uh But the, if you want to talk to me in terms of like in the context of Defense Politics Asia, just just you can just google defense politics asia a lot of nonsense will come out uh you can find me on twitter instagram facebook linkedin telegram um my website youtube rumble even odyssey but i I don't really care about odyssey so no yeah the best but don't 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 just message everywhere Certain place, I, I will reply very slow, like Instagram, you know, it's a stupid, stupid inbox. <laughs> the message messaging system, which is very hard to use. Same as Facebook, because they are the same thing. You know, the best is probably Twitter. And, uh, or you can email me, uh, admin at Um uh, Yeah. Or join the Telegram, or you can join the Discord. There's a DPA Discord. Yeah, you can find all the links. Uh, if you go to the YouTube channel, the links are all below in the description. Yeah. So if but I know people don't always don't, li- don't like to read the descriptions, I have, I have no <laughs> idea why. Uh, I, although I'm guilty of that as well when I watch other YouTube channels. So yeah, the links are all there. The links are all there.
0: And I'll I'll definitely, I'll include some of those links in the description of this episode. Um Wyatt, thank you so much. And I, I know it's nighttime where you're at. It's very late and... Uh, just really appreciate the time uh, coming on and talking to me, and um, I'm a fan. And I just, yeah, thank you for all you do. Keep doing what you do. And no worry. Uh, yeah.
1: I, I'm I'm living. I'm basically living in European timing, so no, it's okay. And this is this is my awake time usually.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, thank you very much, sir. I, I really you, appreciate Chris. it. Um, and we'll talk again soon, everybody out yep. there. Yep. Thank you and you very uh, much. do
1: follow Chris follow subscribe uh whatever platform you are listening from uh do just if there's a like button press the like button uh don't be shy yeah I If appreciate not then that. I will I will tell the Russians to annex you
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you saying that <laughs> <laughs> um for everybody out there just thank you very much for listening today uh my name is Chris this has been Chitash take care everybody